Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm actually coming at you early. For me, early. I mean, you're you're getting this on Sunday no matter what, but I'm very excited. I took all of Thanksgiving week off work. I took, you know, Monday through Wednesday off, and I don't have to record a podcast until I think December 6th. Today is the 18th. Oh, to just get a real break is going to feel really nice. So yeah, hi everyone. How are we? Just so you know, I will not be releasing a feathers in my hair Thanksgiving weekend. The weekend after Thanksgiving, because as I just said, I am going to take a break. I am very excited to just not have any work. I am 99% finished my schoolwork. I just have to finish editing my final paper. And yeah, I get to chill. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, with that said, if you will be desperate for a podcast in the next week, feel free to go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. You can find my Patreon podcast, which is Liz Explains It All. Uh, today, I released an episode on Vix and Brookie. Vix and Brookie. <laughs> Vicky and Brooks from The Real Housewives of OC. Really, I just talked all about The Real Housewives. Uh, I had Brandon Alvarado on, who is uh, a frequent guest on this mushroom. Excuse me, Dunzo. So if you know him, that was great. I recorded a Scientology episode for this week. Can't remember what my episode last week was about. Oh, mm, no, can't remember. <laughs> my brain is like so fried between the election and the end of the semester and just like life. I just feel... I feel a little brain dead. Oh, I did an episode on Newlyweds last week. That was great, actually. I really like that episode, Newlyweds. Like I said, uh, next week I have an episode coming out uh, that will be about wedding TV shows. I had my friend Fiona on and we talk about like this. It was supposed to be on Say Yes, I Do Surprise Weddings, whatever that's called on Netflix, but there wasn't enough to talk about. So we just talked about wedding shows in general. And that was really fun. Like I said, a Scientology episode coming out. So if you're interested in that, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. And yeah, so with that said, let's talk about Teen Mom. Look, once again, there's not really shit going on. And these episodes are getting bad. Uh, the reality is, is that we are about to hit the COVID slump as far as Teen Mom goes, I think. I personally would like to just see them end the season and give us a break, I guess, until OG or Team Mom Young and Pregnant, ugh, God willing, is ready to come back because I don't think what they have now is enough. I mean, this show is already boring, right? Like, we all understand that this show is quite boring, but it's very clear to me that they have almost nothing going on for these episodes, and that's a bummer. I'm like, is this different from other seasons? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not really interested in watching them self-film themselves, I guess. So I think that if they just do one or two more episodes, the virtual reunion, because of course, yes, they're doing a reunion, then we will get to just see, see that play out, finish it, and then we don't have to deal with like this COVID shit anymore. They're filming a new season now. I don't know, maybe the footage that they started filming in the last 
I think they've been filming. Is it November now? Yeah, I think they've been filming since September. So maybe they'll use some of that footage to uh, tack on to the end of this season to so there isn't a long break between Team Mom 2 and OG. Not really sure what they're going to do. I just don't think they really have anything. Also, like, we are so all over the place as far as the timeline goes. Uh, Kale is in January. She released that gender reveal in January where Leah is, like, in late March. <laughs> so so I don't really know why there's such a discrepancy. I guess Leah just had nothing going on this season that they already had to move her up there. I guess uh, Chelsea's in March, too, because she's talking about Corona. If you notice, there's, like, no, and so is Brie, there's absolutely no talk of Corona in either Jade or Kale's segments, and that's because they're still in deep winter at that point. So, yeah, I think... I mean, I would imagine they want, like, Creed's birth to be on this season. So I don't really know. I'm curious to see how the rest of the season goes. I don't have very high hopes for it. But also, you know, this is Teen Mom. Why would we ever have high hopes for this show? (laughs) Maybe there will be some fun drama coming up. I mean, I guess we have Kale's arraignment. That's not till January. Uh... Nothing's really going on at the land. As I said, I think last week, I just like haven't been keeping up with Janelle as much. I just find it so depressing, not fun. Like Janelle got her TikTok account deleted, I believe. Something happened with her TikTok account this week because she went on TikTok Live and David had his gun in his holster. Is that what it's called? A holster? Yeah. On his like his waistband. And she had that clearly in the frame and that got her TikTok deleted. So you're not allowed to have guns on TikTok. So it's just, it's just sad. And any stuff that comes up, it's not like fun sad. (laughs) It sounds awful. It's not exciting sad. It's just like kind of really depressing. So there's nothing really going on with Janelle. Oh, Ashley and Barr. Ashley posted... Okay. <laughs> Ashley and Barr of Team Mom Young and Pregnant posted that they're engaged again. Now, they've been calling each other fiance, husband, and wife for quite a long time. I figured that they were, because they got engaged in the first season, I think. I remember them getting engaged. I remember them being away on that trip and them getting engaged. So I figured they were just like engaged engaged again (laughs) you know like they're like oh yeah we're just still engaged even though we've broken up 700 times since then but I don't know I guess they got re-engaged officially Ashley decided to post about it she said it happened a couple months ago and she posted this big ass ring which like I don't believe Barr bought her that unless I mean even a fake one I'm not so sure Barr could afford because you know even a nice uh, cubic zirconium ring costs money they're not free So who knows what's going on with them. I wish them an ounce of luck, you know, as the famous gift goes. I wish you an ounce of luck. I think that they are so toxic. I think that it's only a matter of time before we get another picture of Barr passed out on the floor. We find out Barr is arrested or Ashley goes wild on Instagram live. Like, I really feel like they're always just one step away from that. But as I've said many times, like, I think Barr and Ashley are probably going to be doing this for a very, very, very long time. Like, I think that they might be doing this forever. And 
I hope for Ashley's sake that they don't actually get married so she <laughs> she doesn't legally tie herself to him like that. But I think Bar and Ashley are here to go on and off for the rest of their lives, basically. I am looking forward to seeing them on Team Mom Young and Pregnant. I really, I really enjoy Ashley and Bar's segments. I mean, bring back Shen, only in little doses. As I've said, Shen uh, sets off my Goldilocks thing, where it's like, I can't have too much or too little drama. It needs to be just right. And Shen definitely goes into the too much drama. But I would like to see her just like talking shit on TV. I miss Chris. I miss Pastor T, who, by the way, uh, lost weight recently. And she's posting all these pictures where she looks so good. So Mazel to Pastor T. I'm really looking forward to them coming back. I really don't think that Ashley will ever be on Teen Mom 2. I, I just don't see it. I think that as I've said before, I really think that they need Ashley on Team Mom Young and Pregnant, or they feel like they do. And I'd be really surprised if she was the one that moves up to replace Chelsea. I'm definitely curious as to what they're going to do with that. Like, I assume they're going to bring another girl up. I don't think they're going to go for a four-girl segment because I don't think they, I don't think they like a four-girl segment anymore. I think a five, I think the reason they brought in five, like an extra mom for each uh, series is because they don't have enough content. And when there are five moms that they can rotate between, it really takes the pressure off of everybody. You know, especially if two of them have drama going on that week, you can have three dead storylines, where with four, you have to fill a lot more time in each story. So I really don't think that they're going to be uh, going with a four girls segment. I think somebody else will be coming up. I just, I'm not sure who it will be. Oh, speaking of duds, um, Lexi... And Kyler <laughs> got engaged. So <laughs> good luck. I don't know why I find Kyler to be like Kyler sends chills down my spine. I don't know why. But every time he pops up on my Instagram, I'm like, ah, I just I really can't with Kyler. Um, they're never coming back to TV. I am curious to see if they would bring Brie back to Team Mom Young and Pregnant. I'm definitely curious to see what they're going to do with Team Mom Young and Pregnant and how they're going to incorporate, I'm sure, the new 16 and Pregnant girls. I saw their casting for another season of 16 and Pregnant. They have a lot, I guess they have a lot to choose from. I I would be shocked if that girl and her racist mom are not on a new season of Team Mom Young and Pregnant. Like, I would be really surprised. Also, like I said, I think Madison, Maddie, they're, Maddie and Madison are those two girls' names. The first episode and I guess the third episode. Um, I think those two would be really good on a teen mom type show. So I really hope that that happens. I'd be interested in that. So yeah, I can't, I can't wait for teen mom getting pregnant to come back. And I guess mazel tov to Ashley and Barr, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I guess we'll talk about the show now. As I said, it was, you know, kind of a dud week. I think I still have some, um, AMA questions left over. So if, you know, if it comes to that, if worse comes to worst, <laughs> and I do this recap and I don't have anything else left to talk about, and it's only 30 minutes in, I'll ask, I'll answer some questions. It's a good way to kill some time, right? We'll answer some questions. Okay, let's get into this. It starts with a COVID message. Did everybody catch that? It started with like a black screen with white writing, like some of this was filmed during COVID. I was like, damn. Okay, MTV. I was in. I was surprised by that. I was really surprised by that. Someone is vacuuming outside my door. 
full disclosure, I just stopped recording for like an hour because I was famished. I was so hungry and I was like, I can't record this without eating. Now, of course, it's an hour later and I wanted to be done this already. <laughs> um, and then while I was eating, I watched, are you guys watching this? We're have, do you guys know about this? So on YouTube, Whitney Port has a YouTube channel. Now I know what you're thinking. Why would I want to watch Whitney Port on YouTube? And that's a totally valid thought. And I thought I felt that way too. But then Whitney and her husband, his name is Tim. I think they call him Timmy, actually. I don't know, like, if you if he introduces himself as Timmy or if he is Tim. But they, have, they like, do this channel together. First of all, their son is beautiful. Their son is so cute. His name is Sunny. So sometimes I'll watch their vlogs. But they're actually, they've been doing this series. First, they went through reacting to all of the city episodes, which is really good. And now they started The Hills. And so I just watched episode four, which is the one where Jason comes back into the picture and kisses Lauren. And it was really good. Whitney's actually, like, quite funny and nice. I really like Whitney. And her husband is, like, that perfect Jewish guy that's, like, not really hot, but he's, like, attractive and because he has, like, a good personality and he's funny and... Yeah, I really like their channel. I like, and I really like these Hills reaction videos they're doing. I didn't care as much about the city ones because, I mean, the city is like a true who cares to me, but I still watch them. But I really like these Hills ones. So that's a little tip for you. Um, Watch Whitney and Timmy react to the Hills. It's like a good 20 minutes of just like, it's fun to watch them react because I feel like they have very similar like thoughts that I do at least. Okay, so anywhere they anyway, there's that detour. I guess let's start with Leah because as I said, like Leah's essentially done. I don't know how they're gonna have any more footage for Leah this season. I'm not sure. Because Leah uh apparently is the first one to go down to go down, to go on lockdown when everything starts happening. They aren't giving us like date stamps, which I wish they would. But Leah basically cancels her trip to Costa Rica and the trip to L.A. I couldn't tell if her sister was still going or not. I didn't think so. But also, like, it it sounded like maybe she was. But Leah decides not to go. And so she and the girls go into uh, quarantine. They go into isolation. Leah was taking it very seriously at the beginning. I mean, by May, she wasn't. (laughs) By May, she was in Florida. (laughs) the kids. But at this point, she was taking it really seriously. She was really scared. I was impressed with, you know, how seriously she was treating this episode. Uh, The girls actually stopped going to Corey's house, the twins, because Corey, I believe Corey works for a utility company. He has some sort of like in-person job. So Corey was continuing to go to work. So they made the decision to have uh, the girls, the twins stay with Leah exclusively because Allie is, of course, immunocompromised. I mean, Allie, Allie getting COVID is truly probably worst case scenario possible, right? And so apparently it's been really hard. There's this moment that I actually found really nice from Leah. She's describing the fact that um, uh, Allie had been in her bed just like sobbing because she missed her dad so much. And I actually... I don't know. I thought it was really generous isn't the right word, but Leah basically, not basically, Leah said 
they have two homes. You know, she has two houses and she really misses her other home. And I thought that was really nice. I can imagine as a mom, it's hard to think of your child as having a house that's not yours, you know. And I thought it was nice that she was really acknowledging how hard it is for the girls to be away from their dad so much because they really do spend 50% or more of their time with their dad usually. So I'm sure it was really, they were really missing him. Um, The crew stops coming around, so they do some self-filming stuff, which there's one scene where Grace and Allie are filming with Leah and they're talking about Allie being upset. And Grace goes, I thought she was being dramatic. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, That's really it. They show us, they show the girls, like, fucking around in quarantine and, like, putting crazy makeup on and making videos. Like I said, I'm not sure what else they're going to show us. I guess we did see that scene of, um, like, last week in the, I guess it wasn't for this episode. It was, like, what's coming on this season. They showed us that Allie gets sick at one point. I don't think she has COVID, but she gets sick at one point. So, I guess we'll see that. It seemed like she was at Corey's house when that happened. Uh, Also, she let Addie go to Jeremy's grandma's house because I guess Jeremy's grandma was isolating, so she felt comfortable with that. It feels like such a long time ago and also like not a long time ago at all. Time is really a flat circle. Sometimes I think about like, okay, I, for the most part, feel pretty okay as far as COVID stuff goes. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, you know, am pretty careful. I don't really go out a lot. Um, It's been really good for school because I don't see friends. I don't do fun things. I am either at work or at home, essentially. And so once I started going back to work, which is what, in June, I felt like pretty comfortable out in the world. I guess comfortable is the way to say it because I was going to and from work every day. So it just became normal. And, oh, so the masks. <laughs> what The point I was trying to make is sometimes it really, if I think too hard about it, it really flips me out. I remember um, when at the DNC, the virtual DNC they did, when Joe brought out uh, Kamala and they were, they like did their hands in the air thing holding them and they both had those black masks on like that. That freaks me out. When I think too hard, if I'm in the grocery store and I think about the fact that everybody's wearing a mask, it like really sends me into a panic. Like for whatever reason, the masks, I don't mean wearing them because I wear a mask every day. Like we all wear masks at work. Uh, We all have our own offices. So if you're in your office, you don't have to have a mask on. But if somebody else comes in your office, you put the mask on. We wipe everything down. Anytime you're not in your office, you have your mask on. So I'm in my mask a lot of the time. I wear a mask a lot. And Pennsylvania, I mean, mandated masks in like early April. Like we, we've we been wearing masks for a while. So it's not that like I'm the we- the act of wearing it that flips me out. But like seeing everybody in them like really makes me feel Handmaid's Tale-ish. <laughs> and it really sets me off. So it's interesting to watch Leah like at this time and also think about the fact that you know not for nothing that our numbers are really spiking again and they're higher than they were then but we were like all not leaving our houses but now we are leaving our houses I don't know man I I don't know I've always taken this seriously I've always believed in it I always like want to do the best that I can but I also understand that like 
this is our reality for quite a long time. Like, is the vaccine just going to come and fix everything? I'm going to get the vaccine. I'm very pro-vaccine. I'm not scared of getting vaccines. I'm like, give me that new vaccine. I don't give a fuck. Like, I am fine getting it. I would probably do a trial of it, to be honest, if I was like asked if I wanted to be in a trial. Um, I am not scared of medicine. Not that like if you're hesitant to get a brand new vaccine, I'm saying you're scared of medicine. But for me, like that just doesn't freak me out. So like I'll get a vaccine, but a lot of people aren't going to get that fucking vaccine. I mean, we have a hard enough time vaccinating people like children, you know, so we're not. Do you remember when the Gardasil shot came out, the HPV vaccine? People were adamant that they were not getting that. Um, And I don't know if people are going to enough people are going to agree to get the vaccine for it to really be helpful. So the reality is, is that like this is our normal now and we all need to be making decisions um, aware of the risks and the calculated risks and like not diluting ourselves into thinking like diluting is not the word diluting diluting, diluting doesn't mean that, not diluting ourselves into believing that like these choices we making are safe because the reality is like every time we leave our home, we're not really being safe, right? All we can do is like mitigate, uh, like mitigate our exposure and try and make calculated decisions. But also like we have to live our lives, which is, <laughs> I don't know. Do I sound like a fucking Republican when I say that? <laughs> I just, I guess I just wish that the messaging, like, I wish that in June, when the government realized that this was here to stay for quite a while, that the messaging moved to, like, harm reduction, I guess, uh, as opposed to, like, suddenly it's Thanksgiving and the government's, like, or the state governments are, like, issuing all of these things and people are like, yeah, go fuck yourself. We don't believe in that. And everybody's flipping out because it feels so reactionary. And I'm totally ranting, but I guess what I'm just trying to say is, like, I... I think that I, and I hope everybody else, is moving forward with a way to, like, keep our sanity and to do what's best, but also, like, be safe and be smart. Um, I'm really sick of people, influencers, talking about their fucking pods. Here's the thing. Most people are not in pods. They're not real. (laughs) There are a few people that I, like, I know people that are genuinely in a pod, where it's like them and one other family and they don't see people and that other family does not see people. But do you know how many fucking influencers I see talk about their quarantine pod that's like eight different families? The kids go to school. Like, (laughs) you live in New York City, so you're out and about all the time. Like, that is not a pod. So, like, let's not delude ourselves into thinking that, like, we're being safe because we're using words like pod and that type of shit. But let's take calculated risks and decide, like, what the cost benefit, what is that? What the cost risk is there? I'm really ranting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. That's it for Leah. (laughs) This is why I don't want this show to be about COVID, Teen Mom, because it's like our lives are about COVID, right? Is there anything in my life that's not about COVID? It doesn't feel that way. It feels like everything in my life is constantly about COVID, And I don't want to watch the girls just, like, filming themselves, like, talking about COVID. I think especially now, I think maybe it would have been a little easier in June, July, August when things weren't so bad. But now that we're, like, staring down the barrel of possible, I mean, some states are shutting down already. I don't know what Pennsylvania is going to do. We have a good governor, Pennsylvania, 
Tom Wolf. He's a good governor. He, I mean, for the most part, he's a Democrat. He was pretty strict with locking stuff down, and I thought handled everything pretty well. But I think he's very scared of issuing another lockdown and what it would mean politically and financially. Of course, <laughs> of course, the federal government could lock this country down for six weeks and pay every single person enough money to stay home and keep businesses afloat if they wanted to. Of course, of course. But with that not happening, I think that my governor is very hesitant to lock things down again, which I understand, I mean, for his political capital, but also just like the federal government isn't giving us, you know, money. So how do you lock stuff down again? Where was I? Oh, so when we're watching this now, it's hard because I feel like we're staring down the barrel of like things getting bad again. So it's hard to watch the beginning of the pandemic where I feel like if this was earlier in the year, like when things were not looking good, right? Because we haven't left the pandemic, but things were seemingly a little better. It was warm out, so we could do a lot of stuff outside. I think that this like, I mean, it was like 30 degrees here today outside of Philly. So it was cold and we can't really do a ton of stuff outside anymore. Like outside is, <laughs> outside's over for us for the winter for the most part. And so we're going to be inside and home. So watching them all go into quarantine is a little like, ugh. I think it's just a big reminder that things are not over and actually seem to be maybe getting worse, which doesn't bring me any comfort or relief, which is usually what I'm looking for when I watch TV. Okay, uh, let me take a quick break and then we will talk about Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea. Okay, you guys want to hear something crazy? I was actually quite proud of Chelsea in this episode. <laughs> Let me tell you, let me tell you, I get on Twitter last night uh, when the episode was airing and I saw a gif of Chelsea saying, like, I'm really proud of myself and like uh, tweeted by the Teen Mom 2 official account. And I looked at that and I go, yeah, I guarantee when I watch that I won't feel the same way as her. I won't be proud of her. But you know what? I was wrong. I am happy for Chelsea. Like, I think I was really worried last year. I kind of felt like I was one of the only people being like, do we, are people hearing how bad Chelsea's anxiety is? Like, I know it was getting a lot of attention, the anxiety, but when Chelsea would say stuff like, I can't leave my house and she could not leave the kids alone for any amount of time. Um, when she was like sharing all of that, I was like really worried because what she was describing wasn't just normal anxiety. You know, what's normal anxiety? Isn't it crazy that there are people in this world that aren't anxious, that don't have anxiety? That's very hard for me to believe. That doesn't really seem possible. I also feel that way about suicide ideation, even though I'm not <laughs> trigger warning, I guess. I'm like never actively suicidal. I've never been suicidal. But like if something bad happens to me, my first thought is like, should I kill myself? Like, no, of course I'm not going to do that. But that's just how my brain works and how it's always worked my entire life. And it actually seems baffling to me that other people don't have that thought because at least to me, it's like the least serious thought ever. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I should kill myself. Like, oh, I don't feel like writing that paper. I should just die like that. It doesn't make me upset. It's like it's truly like the least upsetting or dramatic or important thing. It's like such a quick thought. And it happens, I don't know, multiple times a day. Um <laughs> 
and it has my entire life. So it's really hard for me to the idea that some people don't feel that way or think that way. That's wild. But Chelsea, like, oh, yeah, I was saying it's hard for me to even believe that anybody doesn't have anxiety. I guess just because I've been mentally ill my whole life for as long as I have memories. And so I can't imagine not being mentally ill (laughs) would be my would be the thing I say, I guess. But Chelsea's was really, really bad. And I I didn't think it was getting like the credit that it deserved. I was like, it sounds like Chelsea can't leave her home. It sounded like she was developing like really serious agoraphobia. And I was really worried about that. So to see Chelsea this season leave the kids and take a trip by herself while with Lori, Lori Bells uh, with Lori, I was genuinely happy for her. Obviously, she has been talking about like active things that she does. I think she has mentioned therapy. She is on medicine. It seems like she's gotten into meditation. She's been reading self-help books. Like I commend Chelsea for that because it's very clear that she's in a better place now than she was. And anybody that can like get out of a dark space like that, I am happy for and impressed by because where Chelsea was... I think could have spiraled really badly. Like when you are at a point in your life where you're not leaving your home because your anxiety is like making it incapable for you to leave your home, you are kind of like diverging. Like you have two paths there, you know, which is like you go full into agoraphobia just consumes your life. Like you are unable to go outside. Your anxiety completely makes your life unmanageable. Or you are fortunate, lucky enough to get help um, and the help works. I want to make that clear that I think there are a lot of people in this position that try and get help and the help doesn't work, unfortunately, uh, which fucking sucks when you have treatment resistant mental illness. That's really fucking shitty. And that's why it's frustrating when people are like, well, just get help because it's like tons of people can't get help. (laughs) Like the help doesn't work. Um, You know, there's like a ton of people that have uh, treatment resistant depression, which now they're treating with ketamine, which is really cool. I have a friend that I has, is like trying to get a doctor to do that for her because she, medicine like does not work for her to help her depression. But so I want to be clear that like there are a lot of people I think that go down to the all-consuming agoraphobia anxiety uh, path that did try to get help. It just didn't work for them. But I really think like where Chelsea was really could have spiraled out of control. And so to see that not only did it not spiral out of control, that it's gotten really significantly better. I was really happy for her. I thought it was an accomplishment. And when she said, I'm really proud of myself, like I felt proud of her too. (laughs) Is this the first time I've ever said I felt proud of Chelsea? Because I did. Look, do I give a fuck about her fucking clothing line? No. Do I care about Chelsea going to a denim meeting? No. Do I think most of her business ventures are complete bullshit and just social media influencing like garbage? Yes. But just the fact that Chelsea is clearly feeling good enough and in a good enough space that she can leave all of the kids at home with Cole, get on a plane by herself and fly to LA, I thought said a lot and I was happy for her. I did want to say when she was telling Cole that she was meeting with a line that she really likes their jeans. I was like, huh? Do you guys remember in the OOs when designer jeans were like the fucking thing? 
um, me in my seven for all mankind jeans, my Mavi jeans, my Joe's jeans, my Paige jeans, where there would be this company, these companies that like only made jeans. They were insanely expensive. <laughs> Cousin Julia worked at a store that sold most of them. So we would get a uh, employee discount. I worked a job at a bakery. I worked 40 hours a week during the summer and had absolutely no bills or responsibilities. So I would just do things like buy designer jeans and I just remember, like, your jean brand being very important at that time. And I really feel like I can't think of a single jean brand anymore. I feel like it, maybe it's just because I'm an adult. Like, maybe if I was a teen, I would feel differently. But I feel like as an adult, it's more about, like, the overall brand clothing line and store. Like, now I'm like, oh, yeah, I get Gap jeans. I get Madewell jeans. I tried Everling jeans. Eh, they were okay. Um... I guess the one I can think of is Good American, but even she has now put out, like, a whole line. Um, I guess, like, Good American is there, but I was just thinking, like, wow, jeans. Like, I I just remember at a time in my life, like, having the right jean brand was very important to me. And you guys know, like, I mean, I hope I've made this clear, like, that I'm kind of a shopping addict, like... (laughs) And always have been. And my mom is kind of a shopping addict. And we're like, yeah, we're all kind of shopping addicts. Like, Julia is a shopping addict with us. Like, we're all shopping addicts, right? <laughs> Love you, Julia. Um, but it's like this thrill that we get from shopping. Like, that's always been my thing. So it's not like I don't keep up with brands and I don't keep up with styles and shit. But it doesn't seem like the teens care about um, jean brands as much. This is truly probably the least interesting thing I've ever talked about on this podcast, except for like the 11% of uh, Jewish girls that listen to this that are like, yes, seven for all mankind jeans were important to me in 2003. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we still allowed to say the word? I don't even want to say it. Are we still allowed to use the phrase Jewish American princess, but the first three letters of that? Because we used to always call ourselves Japs, but like that's a derogatory term for Japanese people, but it also means a Jewish American princess, and it really means something specific, a Jewish American princess, uh, shortened that way. And that's who I'm speaking to with this podcast, which are probably eight to nine listeners. I don't think I have that many Jewish listeners. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there are some non-Jewish girls that also were part of this, of course, (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I whenever I don't think I would use the the nickname for Jewish American princess anymore. It does it doesn't seem right. Okay, nobody cares, Liz. Anyway, proud of you, Chelsea. I'm happy for you. I was proud to see her try something, right? Like I was I was glad to see her try something and succeeded it. She did say, oh, two things I wanted to mention. One They go to look at where they're going to build the house on the property. And she goes, we bought a piece of land a year ago and we're finally ready to pick where we want the house to go. And I'm like, yeah, remember when you bought that property and on this show you said you're not going to move for years? (laughs) And I said, that sounds like horseshit. And I was right. They also, when they're driving to look at it, uh, Cole's explaining it to Watson. And it's like, where do you want the house to go, Watson? He goes, by Starbucks. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was the cutest thing. 
Watson saying that the house should go by Starbucks was so fucking cute. Then they're out on the land and he says he wants a cake. He asks, can I have a cow friend? (laughs) Oh my God. He is at that like perfectly cute age where they have like just enough words to say something that truly makes you want to die because it's so cute, but like not enough uh, words or intelligence to like really get what's going on in the world so they can say things like they went the house by starbucks oh my god watson is a really cute kid he's a really cute kid oh by the way i saw tomlin send me a video of stella little stellita talking the other day she was like basically mimicking a youtube tutorial holy shit she speaks well stella is a whole I'm pretty sure Stella's birthday is over around 4th of July because I remember, I think it's like July 2nd or July 3rd, just based on like they always have a 4th of July theme for her birthday. And I'm pretty sure Watson and Ensley were born um, that 2017 in January, like the end of January 2017. And then I think Stella was born in July 2017 and Lux was born in like August 2017, but Stella's like a whole half year younger than uh, Watson, and she speaks so clearly, so clearly. Like she is doesn't have any baby voice at all. It's really remarkable to see. I love little Stella. That video is so cute. If I think Brie must have posted it on Instagram, is probably I would assume how I saw it, or maybe somebody uploaded it to Reddit. But I was really, really impressed with that. Oh, I love Stella. She's so cute. Stella's, I think, my favorite teen mom child <laughs> as of now. I just think she's so cute. Also, like, poor Ensley, right? Like, has anybody ever seen a video of Ensley trying to talk? <sighs> has anybody seen a video of Kaiser trying to talk? Those kids are being so neglected. I do not mean in a speech impediment way because I've shared many times that I had a very bad speech impediment most of my childhood. I started going to speech therapy when I was 18 months old, which was absolutely not done in the 80s. This was the 80s that this was happening because my older brother was um, making up his own language. (laughs) He's so smart. He's making up his own language. So my mom took him to the speech pathologist. He is like a little over two years older than me. And then she heard me talking and was like, oh no, she needs to come see me immediately. So I was her youngest ever client. And um, then I went to speech therapy until I was 11 or 12 at school, I think. I think when in sixth grade, I when I went to my new private school, I, I remember the first half of the year being in speech and the second half of the year not having to be in speech. So I went to speech therapy until I was like 11. So this is not me saying like, did you hear those kids speech impediments? Because hello, I have a speech impediment. You can hear it. I'm sure it comes out. I can hear it when I do it. Um, I stumble over R words a lot, especially if I'm tired or if it's like a double R. There are certain words that I, it's, I have to like very consciously think about how to say them and how I'm like moving my tongue in my mouth. Um, most of the time I don't think about it, but for certain words, I, I realize I'm like pushing my tongue up in a certain way so that I can say the R because if I don't do that I can't say R like I just can't say it um <laughs> thank god my parents have resources to send me to speech therapy thank god I'm so lucky 
I mean, thank God that my parents had resources to send me to learning disability schools to get me psychiatrists for me to go to rehab, right? Like, for me to get braces, like I talked about last week. Like, I I can't even imagine. I don't know if I'd still be alive, honestly. Like, I'm not, I'm not really sure how far I would have made it without my parents being able to spend a lot of money fixing me. Anyway, where was I? Why are we? Oh, Kaiser. Kaiser and Ensley are... I Kaiser's doesn't seem as bad because Kaiser at least went to he went to preschool and daycare every day I think up until like last year so at least he was in school but he does not have clear speech at all poor little Ensley anytime she speaks on a video and it's just because they're neglected right like nobody reads them I'm sure they don't speak to them a lot. Like, I would imagine that most of the time, no adult is talking to Ensley. Like, they may be talking at her or yelling at her. I'm sure maybe Marissa talks to her or, like, Kaiser and Jace talk to her. But my guess would be that most of the time, Ensley's being talked at, not really talked to, and they're not developing her language the way that they should be. And it's sad. And I I still can't believe they got those kids back. I mean, I can believe that like eventually Janelle and Dave were going to get those kids back, but I still can't believe it happened the way that it happened. And that like Ensley, (sighs) Ensley is nobody. It's really, it's sad. This is why I don't closely follow Janelle anymore because it's sad and scary on a level that like since she's not on TV and I can ignore her, I feel like I want to. Okay, let's go to Jade. Let's talk Jade. So Jade is telling us how important family is, and she got Sean to agree that she could go, she could bring Chloe to see her mom. Um, she, uh, Sean wasn't going to be involved at all. She wasn't going to come to the house, but Jade could bring Chloe to go there. And I thought this was kind of interesting because Jade said some shit, which in theory I agree with. In practice in Jade's life, I pretty much do not. She basically, her argument is family's really important. Chloe loves her grandmother. And it's not a bad thing to have more people loving your child, which I think is probably something I've said line for line on this podcast, right? Like, you know, I love a blended family. I'm always saying, like, having a loving stepmom or stepfather only makes a child's life better. Like, the more adults that love a child is, I mean, what more could you ask for? Like, the more people in your life that can love your children, like, that that's a true blessing, right? But, 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 but the caveat is that, like, Those people need to be healthy and giving your daughter a healthy love and you need to have a healthy relationship with them because it doesn't work when that person's in active addiction (laughs) and you're constantly fighting with them and she's putting Chloe in unsafe situations. I mean, the fact that Jade lets fucking Chrissy drive around with her, you know, like Jade allows Chloe to be put in unsafe situations with this, like, argument that, um, like, the more people that love her, the better, it's not healthy, in my opinion. I don't think, I think that line is not a blanket statement. (laughs) 
you know, there's always ex- exceptions. And I think that line for Jade's family doesn't really apply. There is a weird little moment where um, Sean and Jade are talking. Jade is encouraging Sean to reach out to his family. If you'll remember, Jade invited his grandparents to Chloe's birthday party and he flipped out. And I talked about it on this podcast. I think it was the season premiere because I think Kara was on that episode. And I talked about like how weird Sean's reaction was to the point where I was like, were they abusive? Does he have PTSD? Somebody was like, oh, maybe he stole money from them, which is why he didn't want to see them. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that could definitely be it. Like he was so mad that they were there and escalated to this anger so quickly in a way that can really confused me. And in this episode, though, he seems really willing to reconnect with them. Um, He does say, like, when he's using, like, he is not there for his family. He doesn't pick up the phone. He said his grandfather just had a stroke and has signs of dementia, and he really wants to be there to help them. Um, I don't know if we know anything about Sean's parents. I will say, once again, like, I think Sean is sober. I do. Like, when I was watching this episode, like I said, do I think Sean drinks and smokes? Probably. I don't think Sean is an active opiate addiction at this point. The way he speaks is very, I don't know. I don't know. Because obviously, like, you can be all talk and you can say whatever you want and still be in uh, active addiction. But something about the way that Sean is kind of going about talking to his family and talking about talking about his family and the way that he talks to Jade, like, I do think he's sober at this point. I do. There's nothing really, like, indicating to me that he's not. Now, that could absolutely change in the coming episodes, but I think I said this last week, and I feel this way again this week, that uh, Sean does seem sober and does seem to, like, be pretty in control and have shit in control. So he says, yeah, I totally want to reconnect with my family. I haven't seen my sister since I was 19, which, by the way, in a preview, Jade says something about a 30-year-old bum, but then in this episode, I'm pretty sure he said he hadn't seen his sister since he was 19, and then Jade at one point says that was seven years ago, so I don't know. Maybe I just misheard that, but I kind of thought that's what I just heard, or that's what I had heard. But I guess Sean's sister lives somewhere else and they get MTV to fly her in. And it really seems like a nice visit. She seems really happy to be there. Chloe loves her. Chloe's a very nice and cute little kid. She seems really loving and happy. Oh, there is one scene where Jade and Sean are talking and Chloe's kind of like yelling. He's like, can you go get the baby? And Jade's like, where is she? And he's like, in your, in the room. And she's like, oh, in her bed. And Sean's like, where else would she be? And like, it got aggressive quickly. And then they like just move on from it. So I guess it didn't turn into a fight. But that's why I'm always like, ugh, on Sean and Jade. Because even in their best moments, which I would say this episode was definitely one of their better episodes, they still seem like at all times one foot away from getting into, like, an explosive, explosive fight. So, yeah, that's kind of it. Sean's sister comes. As I said, we don't really hear about his family. I don't know if they said where Sean's sister is coming from. She seems thrilled to see him and thrilled to be there. I mean, it's possible that she's living somewhere else and, like, just couldn't afford to come home. And now that MTV is paying for the plane ticket, she can. So if that's the case, you know, good for her. Okay, 
Let's talk Kalen. Should we talk Kalen? Where is Kalen on my list? Oh, Kale says that she told the boys she's pregnant off camera because she wanted them to be able to ask her questions and talk about it because she acknowledged that it's probably a confusing situation for them. But she says, actually, it went really well. They were happy and they were excited. And Kale said, well, do you know who the dad is? And they said, Chris. No. I saw a lot of people give Kale shit for this online. And like, does it suck to have to explain to your kids who the father of your child is? Yeah, of course. Of course it sucks. But, like, that's the reality. The reality is is that Kale is not in a committed relationship. They know that. We've seen them talk about the fact that Kale and Chris are broken up. Like, we saw that conversation that Lincoln, Isaac, and Kale had that one time where Isaac explains, like, what a breakup is. And the reality is, is, like, Kale's pregnant. That's the reality, right? So, like, she has to have the conversation with her kids. And it is... the right thing to do to ensure that they know who the father of the child is. Like, it wouldn't be right for Kale to just, like, let the kids walk away and leave. And, like, then later they're like, I don't know who the dad is. I think the kids are definitely old enough. Lux is little. Lux, I'm sure, has no idea what's going on. He's three, right? At this point, maybe three and a half in these episodes. Like, he doesn't fucking know what's going on. But, um... Like, the older boys do. Isaac and Lincoln definitely do, especially Isaac. And we know that they're both really perceptive. And I also think in Kale's family, because <laughs> because the families are so blended, right, and there's, like, so many dynamics, it seems like they actually spend quite a lot of time talking about, like, who is related to who and how. Um, We've seen them have these conversations, right, where Kale has explained, like, Isaac, I can remember her explaining to Lincoln, like, Isaac is your dad or your brother from me. And uh, Eli is going to be your brother, but from your dad. Just like Vivi is Isaac's sister, but from his dad. Um, Then they talk about, like, Lux and how Lux has a different dad. Like, I think by nature of the way their family is, they have to talk about this shit a lot. Now, Does that speak to, like, the chaos in Kale's life? Like, yeah, of course it does. And, like, is the bigger issue here the fact that, like, Kale's continuing to have children with somebody that she's not in a committed or stable relationship with and that, like, is in and out of her kids' lives? Like, yeah, of course. Like, of course those are the issues. Of course they are. (laughs) Yeah, we all know that. But I don't really see personally a problem with her making sure that the boys know who the dad is because they're gonna ask or they're gonna wonder. So, like, when you're telling them you're pregnant, like, let's get all that information out there, right? Like, Chris is the dad. You guys haven't seen Chris in a couple months, so you know Chris isn't coming around anymore. Um, But I'm having this baby. He's gonna be your little brother. And that's what it is because that's the reality. So, I don't know. I'm okay with it. When she tells V that, it's funny. She, like, has a little photo shoot with V. And she's telling V about it. I think that's what they were doing, having a photo shoot. And V goes, crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) She fully hit her with the, oh, okay. (laughs) 
Oh, God. Oh, Kalen, Kalen, Kalen. I just like, I want better for Kale so bad. Oh, apparently on our podcast this week, Kale said that she moved back to Dover. Now, what does that mean? I have no idea. I guess she said uh, Lux and Lincoln are sharing a room. So she's obviously in a smaller spot. She has been talking about how she wants to build for a while. So is she still planning on building? I don't know. My guess would be is that it's a seller's market, which means that it's really easy to sell a house and really hard to buy a house right now. And I would imagine buy land as well. Um, It's a seller's market, so Kale probably decided to put her home on the market now while it's still hot because who knows what's going to happen, right? And I am pretty sure that she still owns um, the house that they moved out of. Like, I think that house that she moved out of a year and a half ago or whenever that was, she still owns that and was just renting it out. She also, I think, technically is still in the mortgage for the house that her and Javi first bought when they moved to Delaware, but someone on Reddit said that Javi's parents seemed to be living there, which would make sense. So I'm kind of wondering if Kale just moved back to the old Dover house. Like, I can see that happening. I definitely could believe that, especially if, you know, the market's hot. She's coming up for, uh, like, if she was renting the house out, if the lease was up on the people that were living there, she didn't have a new tenant lined up. She's like, why don't I just get out of here? It'll be easier to sell this house if we are not here and sold it. I wonder, though, if, like, the nanny and the the nanny's kid that lived with them, did you notice that the the nanny's son is, like, in the gender reveal photo shoot? Like, it's very weird. She's very there, the nanny and the nanny's child, and we're not getting enough of acknowledgement of who they are and why they're at their intimate family moments. <laughs> Like, I I need some more explanations that we're not getting from MTV there. I don't know, though, if they moved with Kale. My understanding is that they lived in Kale's basement because Kale has, like, an in-law suite in her basement. Is I don't know if I made that up or if I heard that somewhere because, let's be real, a lot of times I make assumptions and then I forget that I just kind of assumed it and then I think that that's a fact and I kind of feel like that's what's happening with this, but McMansions like Kale's often have like full apartments in the basement. They'll have little kitchenettes, uh, a full bathroom, a full bedroom, sometimes two bedrooms. Um, So I would imagine that they were living in her basement. And I do remember from the listing it mentioning two kitchens, which would mean 99% likely it would be in the basement. So I don't know if the nanny and son moved with them. I am would imagine maybe because it kind of seems like they do a lot of the child rearing. Um, she says that's not her nanny, but like it is her nanny. She just employs her friends as nannies. But it definitely seems like she's, you know, they help a lot with Kale's kids. Like a lot, a lot. Which like if you're a nanny, yeah, that's what you should do. That's your job. Also, like, Kale, it's hard to have four kids and take care of four kids So on your own as a single parent. So this is not me shitting on Kale for having a nanny. I really don't care if she has a nanny, and I don't care if that nanny lives with her. That <laughs> I don't give a fuck about that. The, the thing I care the least about is people hiring help. I could not care at all about people hiring help. But I don't know. I don't know anything about this new house. And you know I didn't actually listen to the podcast, So maybe by the time this episode comes out on Sunday, as I said, it's Wednesday today, I'll have some more information. 
But I would guess that she can't afford to build a house with the mortgage on the Middleton house. Like that's, I mean, that house is $900,000. I would imagine her mortgage is nothing to sneeze at. And she probably just could not, maybe she couldn't even get, um, I think when you, uh, I think she would need a mortgage for the land. And then you also get like a special construction loan. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't know why I'm even pretending like I know. I really don't know. But I would imagine for whatever, you know, approval she needs to build, to buy land and build a new home, um, she might not be able to get it with the uh, Middleton house, like still carrying that mortgage. A bank not might not want to loan to her because her mortgage payments might be so high there and she still owns that house in Dover and the bank may be like, oh no, we're not lending to you. So I kind of am guessing she just moved because once she moved, wanted to move back to Dover anyway, um, it's, you know, before the holidays, this is kind of like the easiest, not the easiest time to move, but like a good time to move before the holiday season picks up. And then we're like in the dead of winter, which is like the worst time to move. So yeah, I mean, look, I, as I said last time, moving to Middletown was the worst decision she could have ever made. Well, <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it was a bad decision for Kale. And her moving back to Dova, Dova, see, hear that speech impediment there? Her moving back to Dover is the right choice. She's course correcting. She's correcting the mistake that she made. I just will be curious to hear more details about it. Um, I think that's really it. Kale didn't have a ton going on in this episode. She does uh, casually mention that she's planning a trip to the Bahamas with the boys for spring break, which I guess didn't happen. <laughs> I guess that wasn't a thing. Remember traveling? <laughs> Remember that, guys? Remember when we used to travel? <laughs> Oi. Okay, let's round it out with Brie. Let's bring it on home with Brianna. I noticed that I call Brie, Brianna and Brianna. I know that I interchangeably say them, even though they're not technically the same name. But I feel like people in her segments do too. Like I, I have not, I do not hear her being called one or the other more. I really feel like that. I think I can hear Roxanne saying it and she says Brianna, I think. But I swear people also call her Brianna. So I do know that I use them interchangeably and she probably has a version of her name that she prefers, but I'm not sure what it is. I'm just not sure. So uh, Brie, Shirley comes over. Wait, I thought this scene was so funny. Shirley came over and she's like, can I have some cereal? <laughs> As a cereal loving bitch, I like love the, I love Shirley for going over to Brie's house and being hungry and just like helping herself to some cereal. <laughs> I actually really like Shirley. I think Shirley is kind of the perfect teen mom friend of, right? Like she's very much in like a Chelsea Grace position where I don't know shit about Shirley's life. Not a thing. We know she has a son, correct? Because we've seen him. But I don't know anything about Shirley's life, which is great because I don't need to know anything about Shirley's life because she's not really on this show. 
but she's good to come in and talk with Brie. Um, she kind of, it's not that she calls Brie out on her shit because she doesn't really. Like, they're friends. She's not like, Brie, you're a fucking idiot. But she does push back at Brie a little bit. She does it in this episode. Um, I think she's a good sounding board for Brie. I think she is a good filming friend. Like, I think that Brie did a good job and MTV did a good job having Shirley be Brie's foil. I think she does a really good job at it. I think she's pretty, so she's, like, nice to look at on TV. I think she's funny. She does a really good job, but she's not a scene sealer. She's not obnoxious. She just fits in really well in Bree's world and is good on TV. So good for you, Shirley. I just, like, I don't follow her on social media. Like, I don't know shit about her. <laughs> but I like her. I like her a lot. Um, So she comes over and they're basically talking about the meeting that Bree had with the baby's fathers, and she decides that she's going to ask them each for $250 a month, which I want to remind you is absolutely nothing. That probably doesn't even cover, like, what Nova eats in a month. $250 is not a lot of money. <laughs> not a lot of money at all. So people that were, like, dragging Brie for, God forbid, asking the chi- the fathers of her children for money, like, $250 a month is nada. And they both agree to it. I've seen some people say, like, well, how come she didn't go and get child support from Devon, like, years ago? And I do understand that sentiment. Like, I get it. But I also want to remind people that as far as I know, like, Devon never had a job until, like, two years ago. Like, Devon's life has been really shitty for a long time. Like, he would be on and off probation. He would be constantly getting violated for smoking weed. He would, um like, never have jobs. He was homeless a lot of the times. He, like, remember when he was homeless and had to stay on uh, the DeJesus's couch? It seems like he bounced around a lot. He would occasionally be staying with a friend, like, an hour and a half away from Brie. Like, I don't think she would have gotten anything from Devon. She would have went to court. And remember Kayla going to child support? What was she, what was Stefan ordered? Wasn't it something like $30 a week? Like, that's... I mean, that's one twenty a month, which is actually half of what Bree's asking for. But, like, she, I don't think, I think she kind of knew that there was really no point in going to uh, court for child support for Devon. Because, like, you can't get blood from a stone. And all it would take, especially before she was MTV, she'd have to pay for a lawyer. Like, sure, you can do it yourself, but, it, it you know, you should have a lawyer because this court system is set up so that only lawyers can uh, do the court system and lay people cannot. (laughs) Criminal justice system is fucked up in the United States and not just the criminal justice system, the entire justice system, I should say. But yeah, and then so what? She would have gotten a child support order and then he wouldn't have paid it? Okay. Like, I, (laughs) I think from where Bree's sitting, it's like the end result would have been the same. So, like, let me not bother with this annoyance of, like, going to court and, like, following up and trying to get wages garnished when he doesn't even have wages. So, I get it. I get why she did that. Her and Devon have been going back and forth online. She posted some shit today basically being like, look, MTV is great, but, like, I don't need them. If they were out of the picture, this shit could end any second, and I know that. She's like, that's why I still work. She said, Jade and I do not get paid the same amount of money as the other girls, which is why both of us work outside of this show. And it's not about me needing money from Devon. It's about him doing the right thing, which she's totally right about. I actually want to read this because I really personally 
believed with ex- like I thought that she said it well. Now, does this need to be said on the internet? Probably not. You know, probably not. But I did not disagree with what she said. Okay. Of course, it's taking forever to loan. So she says, this isn't even about Teen Mom anymore. If anyone really knows me and understands me, I don't give a fuck about MTV. This could all be gone tomorrow and not one tear, not one tear would be shed. Just like I had to fight to negotiate, you can do it too. Let's be honest here. I don't get paid like the other girls do. Neither does Jade, but guess what? We aren't crying about it on the internet. We continue to work regular jobs, save up and prosper. Let's not talk about my storyline because if someone was consistent enough, I wouldn't have to nag. And if you did what you're supposed to do, it would be on TV. And we wouldn't be here today fighting over bullshit. So stop blaming everyone around you and take some accountability. End of the day, your kids are blessed to have everything plus more. So be thankful and start doing more for the sake of your kid. That's to Devon because Devon's been bitching about it. Like saying that she's using her, using this for a storyline and that he's there. But you know what? I totally agree with what she said. That sounds right. That sounds right to me. Like she... That's the truth. Like, if if Devon was doing more, it would be on TV. We would see it. We would. Because it's clear that, like, people like Devon and MTV would want to show him being around more. Oh, my gosh. I just, like, sat up weirdly and it made me, like, cough and hiccup at the same time. Oh, that scared me. Okay, so both dads agree to pay more. And then Shirley and Brie are at a carnival and I was a little confused at what happened here because I wasn't, you know, I didn't have eyes directly on the screen as I've often explained to you guys. But Shirley posts about Brie seeing a new guy on her Instagram. So I guess at this point, Brie is seeing a new guy. And it's not that it's a secret that she's dating someone. She just doesn't want to put him online. So Shirley does. So it like comes out that she's seen a new guy. She keeps saying, I don't know. So she's seen someone now or was seeing somebody um, named Javi. <laughs> Javi number two. He is a tattoo artist. He was pretty handsome, I think. I only saw one or two pictures of him. Um, Reddit was incredibly racist about him, as you would expect, because I think he has a face tattoo or like just a ton of tattoos. And people are like, he's a thug. He looks like a criminal. You know, just normal racist bullshit in the Teen Mom fandom, but he's a tattoo artist. If anybody can have a fucking face tattoo, it's a tattoo artist, and they can be very, very successful at their careers. (laughs) So if you see somebody that has face tattoos and you automatically think they're a criminal, you should really check your biases. What I'm saying is I have a face tattoo. (laughs) Could you imagine if I had no other tattoos because I don't have any tattoos, then I get a fucking face tattoo. It would be kind of funny. Um, Bar's face tattoo is really ugly and stupid, but that's not what makes him a bad person, right? Or that's not what makes him a criminal. Um, and I just really hated the response to Bree's boyfriend that I guess she's still with. His name is Javi. Like I said, he seems to have a successful career. He seems to have kids that he's involved with. From what I can tell from the internet, he seemed okay. Uh, but she keeps saying that this guy is not fully available. So she doesn't want her kids around him. She doesn't want anybody to meet him. Uh, Brie's a real secretive bitch. Like, Brie is that person that I bet, like, you think you're, like, pretty good friends. And then, like, you've been talking to her. Like, you guys text all the time. You, like, talk on the phone. You've been busy. So you haven't gotten a chance to see her. And then you, like, run into her. And she happens to be, like, eight months pregnant. And you're like, what? I But we've been texting this whole time. And she's like, oh, well, you know, like, it didn't come up. <laughs> 
one of my really, really close friends in Florida uh, is kind of like that in a, <laughs> like, such a weird way. Like, one weekend we were texting all weekend. Like, I remember I was babysitting that weekend, so I was, like, texting about what I was doing. She was, I thought, texting about what she was doing. And then I saw her tagged in pictures, and she had been in Naples all weekend with this other girl. And I was like, hey, were you out of town all weekend? And we worked together. So, like, we were together Friday at 5 o'clock p.m. Then we texted all weekend, and then we were together again Monday morning. And I was like, hey, did you go out of town with other girl? And she was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, you were, what do you mean? We were texting all weekend. You just never mentioned that you were out of town. Not in, like, I didn't feel left out. Like, please, I really don't like the girl that you and I would not. This is not a trip that I would go on even if I was invited. And I wouldn't be invited to it. It's It wasn't my weekend. It wasn't in like, I feel left out where like, why didn't you invite me way? It was like a why didn't you mention this at all on Friday when we spoke all day long about our weekends and then we texted all weekend long about our lives and you just like never mentioned that you were away and for her the reason that she does this I figured out is that she grew up in a pretty orthodox home orthodox Jewish and then in college she stopped being orthodox but didn't tell her parents for quite a long time and really like kept up the charade of like pretending to be orthodox for a long time and still does to a certain extent like her parents definitely know that she is not orthodox and she doesn't like keep the same level level of kosher as them and that when but like whenever they're there she pretends like she keeps uh shabbat and she just like like lives this dual life i think because of that and so i think she's like really, really good at compartmentalizing, like, certain things she's doing. And it's not like she's, like, I was like, I don't feel lied to. It just seems so weird. Like, what, like, why were you being secretive about this? Like, I don't care if you, it was just weird, right? So I think Brie is that type of person where, like, she'll pop up with, like, a boyfriend, but, like, she won't tell you his name. Like, I, I would guess it's because her mom is so nosy. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, having such a nosy and overbearing mom meant that, like, she kind of developed these techniques (laughs) to, like, keep her shit private would be my guess. And I really can see Brie being a person that can, like, keep shit private. So she decides she's going to go to Puerto Rico with this guy. And her and Roxanne, speaking of, have this fucking funny conversation. I was screaming at this. I thought this was so funny. Brie is acting so nuts. Roxanne is flabbergasted and Roxanne is totally right. So she's like, Brie tells her mom that they're going to Puerto Rico and her mom's like, what? She's like, so you're serious with this guy? And Brie's like, no, we're not. And Rox is like, well, of course you're serious. You're taking a vacation with him. What do you mean? And Brie's like, well, we're not serious. Don't worry about him. You'll never know him. And Roxanne is like, okay, but like, what's his name? And Brie's like, well, no, I'm not telling you that. And Roxanne is like, so you're going to get on a plane and you're going to go to Puerto Rico with a fucking stranger and not tell me about it? So what happens when you get kidnapped? I, what does she say? Um, She says, what if you show up missing? Because Brie goes, it's none of your concern. And Roxanne goes, none of my concern. What if you show up missing? What What do you mean? I need to know who this is. And Brie says the, <laughs> the stupidest thing back. She goes, 
Trust me, if I was going to show up missing, it would have happened a long time ago. I'm not sure if Brie was saying, like, I've made a lot of dumb mistakes and I haven't been kidnapped yet, so I should be good, because that's something that I can relate to in my drinking and using days. The amount of strangers that I went home with, I mean, thank God that nothing, like, really bad happened to me. Thank God. I mean, God only knows what happened to me that I have no memory of, but, like, thank God I was never kidnapped. Like, I used to... I remember once my last bender was New Year's Eve 2013 going into 2014 and I like hooked up with this kid on New Year's Eve. I have a vague memory of going back to my friend's house the next morning and we were going to the Mummers Parade, which is this thing that's on New Year's Day in Philadelphia and there are these things called the Mummers and (laughs) just Google the Mummers, M-U-M-M-E-R-S if you really want to know what they are. It's I would guess the most similar thing to be is kind of like a Mardi Gras. Like, mummers are not, the mummers parade is not even comparable to Mardi Gras, obviously, but it's like the costume of it all and you party all day on New Year's Day. So we were just going, we were just continuing drinking. So we were up all night that night. I remember I like had a whole script of Adderall and I like just like gave it out to everybody. I was like, I'm the Adderall fairy dark. And I remember coming home that day um, and then I, like, in that morning, and then I remember us going back out, and, like, I have pictures of us, and then basically the next thing I remember is, like, being back in the town that I live in. Really scary. Okay, but I was going through my phone <laughs> the next day to kind of, like, get an idea, because I used to do this when I was a blackout drinker. Um, Sometimes I would wake up, and what I would actually do before I got an iPhone Remember on flip phones how you could delete all of your messages? Remember that was like a thing we used to do? We used to delete messages because we would run out of room. So I actually used to wake up in the mornings after drinking and sometimes I would open my phone with my eyes closed and delete all messages without looking at a single one sent and received because I just would not want to know what I did the night before. It just didn't want to deal with it. And sometimes if I was trying to piece together what I did the night before, I would go through my phone to try and figure it out. So I'm going through my phone and I see that I had met this guy on New Year's Eve. I was back with my friends New Year's Day. And then I guess I got separated from my friends because I was texting this, my like another friend being like, where are you? I can't find my friends. Like, I don't know where they are. And he was so drunk, like he... <laughs> He should probably be sober now, too. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying. So he like couldn't help me, I guess. And then I had texted the kid that I was with the night before. And I guess he picked me up and like brought me to my car. No memory of that whatsoever. I drove home in a blackout. It's the scariest thing. I remember being in my friend Dan's house. I guess I went to his house to like smoke that day for some reason. My friend from high school that like we would randomly every like three years would like get become friends again. And like, he's so actually very, very nice. Like, he's very, very nice. I hope he's doing very well. He was like my best friend's boyfriend my senior year. And like every once in a while we would, I would like text him and be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, we should go get a drink or we should smoke. So like, like I said, like every couple years we would hang out like four or five times over the course, like two or three months. And that was happening then. So I remember like waking up basically, like blacking in and being like, how did I get here? And he's like, what? And I was like, how, how did I get here? He's like, what do you mean? You, 
you drove here. And I was like, holy shit. Which meant that I drove from Philly back to where I lived, which is a 30 minute plus drive. It's truly like the scariest thing. I I feel so far removed from a person that would ever drive under the influence. Like it's so hard for me to wrap my brain around the reckless and dangerous and possibly murderous behavior that I used to do. And it's truly only by the grace of God that I didn't kill anyone. Like I know it seems sometimes it's like, oh, it's only by the grace of God I didn't get a DUI, right? Like I somehow never got pulled over. I never got a DUI. But really what I should be saying there, it's only by the grace of God I didn't kill anybody because I was literally taking everybody's life in my hands when I did that. And it's the thing that I feel most shamed about, most shameful about. Um, I don't let it like ruin my life because there's nothing that I could do about it. And every day I make living amends by not driving fucked up, <laughs> like and not getting fucked up so I don't put myself in that situation or ever put anybody else in that situation ever again. But how did I get here? Why am I just talking about this? I remember why. So that kid, I guess we like hung out that day and then he drove me to my car and I drove back and then he texted me for like four months after that. I had his full name saved in my phone for some reason and he would just text me like every weekend to see what I was doing and I was like, I can't respond to him because I don't know what he looks like. I had absolutely no memory of him. I had no memory of him. I knew his name was in my phone. I I remembered like the idea of going home with someone. And I really, what I really remembered was showing back up to my friend's house the next morning, which meant I didn't sleep there, which was a common occurrence. We would like all go out together and then everybody would sleep wherever. And then we would meet up the next morning uh, because I hung out with other blackout drinkers because that's what we all did because I hung out with people who drank like me. And a lot of them still drink like I used to drink, but you know, Everybody will come to it on their own. So I like, I could not, I have no idea what this guy looks like. I, zero idea. I mean, the reality is this probably wasn't disgusting. Like I, I mean, I hooked up with a lot of hot guys for like, <laughs> I know it's funny because you guys think of me as somebody that like doesn't date and I don't sleep with people, but like I used to fuck, like <laughs> I used to sleep with a lot of people. <laughs> Like a lot from when I was like 18 to whenever I got sober when I was 25. Like I used to sleep around. Like that was my thing. I love doing it. I actually don't really regret that at all. It was a fun experience. I I don't have to regret it because nothing really bad happened, right? But I guess that's what I'm saying. Like nothing really bad happened to me, but truly like only by the grace of God. Because like I was regularly going home with people that I have no memory of. <laughs> It's so crazy to talk about that because it just, like, it just is so different from who I am today. And, like, first of all, the idea of, like, sleeping at anybody else's house that isn't mine is, like, hard pass. (laughs) Like, hard, hard pass. I'll be going home to my house. Just the idea of, like, blacking out is so crazy to me. Being out of control like that is so unbelievable to me. Like, it's so... I don't know. It just is, it's so far removed from the person I am. And in some ways, like when I tell those stories, it almost sounds like I'm um, like talking about a movie that I watched because it seems so crazy that it happened to me, except like I can close my eyes and like picture exactly what I was wearing that morning when I came home. 
I really remember this because I had this fake like leather jacket, like a pleather jacket from Target. It was really cute, actually. It was like this little bomber jacket, but it was a, a little bomber jacket. And I don't know why I didn't bring a regular jacket for the Mummer's Day Parade, but I didn't. <laughs> so I like had like three sweatshirts on underneath of my friends because it was New Year's Day. It was fucking freezing out. And I had like a little going out jacket with me. Oh, this is off topic. But this is what I like to talk about, guys. (laughs) I like to talk about me um, being a slut back in my days. My friends and I used to have this joke. Like, this is my group of friends. We had this joke that if you were drunk and wore a condom, it didn't count. Like, that's what we would say. Like, the next morning, we'd be like, oh, you hooked up with them last night? And we'd be like, yeah, but I was drunk and wore a condom. And we'd be like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) And I don't even know why I said, like, it doesn't count because I actually, like, didn't count the amount of people that I slept with. I remember when like 18 or 19 realizing that guys weren't counting. So I was like, why am I keeping track of this? So I just stopped keeping track of it. I have zero idea. I mean, I'm an estimate I'm sure I could come up with like a, a vague estimate within like five or 10. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably like 20 people or something like that. But like we would literally like all the time we'd be like, oh, well, you know, I was drunk and wore a condom and we would just like laugh like it didn't count if you were drunk and wore a condom. Like that's the type of person that I used to be, which is why sober, I don't really feel the need to do that anymore. And it's why I'm like fine with not having random hookups anymore because I feel like I did that and I got it out of my system and it's just not really something that I'm interested in doing. And I did it a couple times, like when I first got sober and realized like it wasn't really bringing anything to my life. Like the the two times I did it, I was like, meh, <laughs> like why did I just do this? Like I don't even like this person. This didn't really like give me anything. I don't really, this wasn't that fun. Like this didn't add anything to my life. So I'm just like not going to do this anymore. And yeah, I did that a lot. <laughs> I used to get around. But like, whatever, I don't feel shame about it. You know, it is what it is. It's just like, thank God I never went, I turned, I never turned up missing. <laughs> On, or as Vaxian said, I never showed up missing. Because like, like literally in Guatemala, like leaving a club in Guatemala, not with my friends and going back to someone's home and sleeping with them and then just like wandering back the next morning. Like that, those were things that I did. Oh my god! Like a on an international vacation, just like walking away from my friends to like sleep with strangers. Oh God, what a mess! Uh, so yeah, Roxanne is like, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> Who is this guy? And Bree just won't tell her. And Roxanne is like, you're gonna get Corona. She's like, don't touch doorknobs. Bring Clorox wipes. And it's like, first of all. Remember Clorox wipes? R.I.P. to Clorox wipes. <laughs> Roxanne is the line of the season. She goes, get hand sanitizer, get Clorox wipes, and while you're at it, get some condoms. <laughs> and then Brie goes to Puerto Rico, and she is like, she calls Shirley to be like, I really like this guy. I'm not in love, but I'm in lust and infatuation. So I don't know if this is Javi, too, or if it's somebody else. And then that didn't work over, I would say quarantine, but Brie never really seemed to quarantine. Brie's a Florida girl through and through. (laughs) Brie is out and about without a mask on and always has been. So, yeah, 
oh look I talked I talked for a decent amount of time I mean is 35 minutes of this talking about me blacking out and sleeping with strangers men and women sure (laughs) sure it is (laughs) you know that's what I used to do black out and sleep with men and women but I don't anymore (laughs) Because I'm sober and I've been sober and it's better this way. And I just want to reiterate, and I hope any time that I talk about this, I hope it comes across clearly how disgusted I am by the fact that I used to drive intoxicated and that it really is the lowest of the low decision that you can make. And I, like, it, the fact that I didn't hurt anybody else is probably the luckiest thing that will ever happen to me in my entire life because that's what it is. It's it's just pure luck that I didn't hurt anybody or myself. And I am very, very grateful for that. But like when I am talking about the fact that like I drove home in a blackout, like that's not me bragging. That is me being like part of it is just so in awe because it just seems so different from my behavior. I'm somebody that like can barely tell a lie anymore. So the fact that I used to behave so recklessly is so crazy. But I take, you know, driving intoxicated really seriously. Um, And I really like I just hope that people understand that I know how serious it is and how awful it is that I did that. And that like if you hear me say that and your respect for me goes down, like I get it. Like that's that is a very fair thing uh, for some, if somebody loses respect for me over that, like, yeah, that, that's fair. Like, that's totally fair. And all I can say is that I don't want to say I did that because I was an addict because like there are plenty of people that are alcoholics and addicts that never drive intoxicated. I did that because I was fucking reckless and I did not care and consequences did not scare me. And I was so fucking selfish that I did not give a fuck. And I put myself first before everything and anything. And if that meant that I was going to drive fucked up, then that that's what that meant. Because that was what I was doing. And all I can say is that now I very much don't live like that. And I very much care about other people. And I very much care about the safety of other people. And that I can't go back and change what I used to do, obviously. And The way I see it is the way that I like make up for that is that I continuously make living amends, which if you don't know, living amends is the concept of amends is that you go and apologize, but you don't say sorry to people that you hurt, right? And you make them whole again. Uh, That's kind of like what making amends is. Like, how can I make this situation whole again? So if I stole money from you, here's the money back. If I owe you an apology, like, here's my sincere heartfelt apology. Here's how I'm proving that I'm better. And if you don't want to talk to me ever again, like, that's your choice. That's the amends. So living amends is when you can't, you can't apologize for something because either the person is dead or the person doesn't want to hear it. Or it's a situation like I used to drive intoxicated and I could have harmed a lot of people. And so my living amends is what I do every day, which is every day I stay sober and I don't just stay sober, but I try and be a good person who lives a good life, who helps others and puts others before myself, which is the exact opposite of the behavior that I used to have. So yeah, anytime I talk about like the way that I used to get around uh, driving, not sex, I just want to... Definitely, like, emphasize just, like, how fucked up it is. And I hope that people know that. But I also think it's, like, 
there's no point in me living in shame and and like it's something I did and I literally cannot go back and change time and like I'm not going to self-flaguate flag what's that remember (laughs) the Da Vinci code guy who hit himself with the belt to like appease his sins like I can't do that but what I can do is just try and be a better person and that's advice for everybody that like if you feel guilt and shame about shit that you did and you don't have to be sober to do this living amends doesn't mean that you have to be sober there there are plenty of ways that you can make living amends if you were an alcoholic or an addict and what that just means is like you live in the opposite way that you used to. And that's all you can do. We can't change time, but we can take responsibility and take accountability, which means that like if somebody is listening to this and is just horrified by this and doesn't want to listen to me anymore and wants to leave me a negative review, like I get it. That's fair. Totally fair. Um, That's taking accountability and taking responsibility and all I can taking responsibility means I don't do that behavior anymore, which I don't. I don't do that behavior anymore, and I'm glad to say that. Okay. I don't know. Was this too much? I'm always like, is this too much? <laughs> How many times on this fucking podcast do I just like catch myself? Like sometimes I like disassociate. Why? Well, you, as everybody knows, I do a fugue state. I go into a fugue state when I do this podcast, which is why when. Somebody wants to talk to me about something I said on the podcast. I'm like, can you remind me what I said? (laughs) Because I don't have any memory of that. But sometimes I like disassociate and like I'm over my head, like looking down and I hear what I'm saying. And I'm like, Liz, stop it. (laughs) But if I could stop it, I probably wouldn't have this podcast and I wouldn't have so many people listening to me. (laughs) Anyway, guys. I love you all so much. I hope everybody has a nice and safe Thanksgiving. Obviously, this year is not ideal, but we're all going to do what we can. We're all going to get through this. We all love each other, and I will catch you in two weeks. Kiss, kiss. I hope everybody gets a break. (coughs) To my non-American friends, have a nice week. (laughs) Bye, guys. Love you. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.